anything else? Like I say, I thought, you know, I didn't know how many people would be here today, and really great to have you. I think it's going to be a fantastic day. But I just want to say what we're going to do is, is we're going to extend the holiday weekend, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're going to extend the holiday weekend spirit, literally, in that we're going to do something not totally different for us because we do discussions quite a bit, but we're going we're gonna to do a deep, substantive, important, critically important discussion today. And uh, if I could really get the spirit of it, it would be like this. You, you know, you're, you're sitting this morning on Sunday morning somewhere on a deck with some water in front of you, and you watched great fireworks last night, and people are moving around in the house, but people are getting up kind of late because it was late. And you're sitting out there with a cup of coffee, just kind of watching the morning and a little fog burn off. And you're sitting there with a friend, and you just start talking about God. And then God just takes you into this place where you're really talking about something important. That's the heart. That's the spirit. That's the thing that I feel like the Lord told me that we were supposed to do this week. Uh, now, let me, let me tell you why, and let me give you a sort of why, you know, what we're going down, the road that we're going down. Uh, we've been talking now for weeks, in fact, months, about this idea that in Romans 1, there is a pattern that's laid out, which is that a culture will push God away and push God away and push God away, and God will continue to cover and to bless that culture until there comes a certain moment and when that moment comes, then he'll let the thing slip down again. He'll let the whole culture slip down again. And he will, he's still protecting, there's still something of that. But things will be different here, and different in a way that isn't good. And there's some pain to it. And a lot of people are feeling that, and that's what we've been talking about. A lot of Christians are feeling that right now, as we said. Because we said, whenever these things happen, God starts in the house of the Lord. And I told you in January, I thought that the... That the temp I thought that we had slipped, that we had gone down a level. Now, as of two weeks ago with the Supreme Court decision, I think it feels very obvious to a lot of people that we've slipped and that that word is actually true. And I was going to put up a Supreme Court visual here and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't for two reasons. One, because I'm just sick of seeing it. And number two, uh, this is not about that. That Supreme Court decision is nothing but a reflection, a symptom of what's actually going on. So I don't want to make it about that, okay? I want to make it about what's going on. So let me propose to you that, as I say, when the culture will slip down to another place that's difficult, God, what God's trying to do, remember always, he's not then just judging you. What he's doing is he's letting you experience more of the consequences of your actions so that you get rejiggered back to him. I just want you to think about something. Uh, 200 years ago, the fireworks went off and that's what we celebrated, right? 400 years ago is when we got here to these shores. I want you to think in the pilgrim's time and even just the founder's time. I want you to think about the morality and the culture. Just picture it in your minds. Remember the pilgrims and the, and the Puritans and so on. And when we say Puritan, we think of it in sexual terms because we think of everything in sexual terms now. Okay, it didn't have to do with that. It had to do with the Reformation and getting rid of a lot of Catholicism and so on and being pure to Christ. So it was a reset to Christ. Okay, 
And I want you to think about pilgrims and so on. And just think about what would, what would a pilgrim or what would a founding father think? What would somebody who died in the Revolutionary War in order to make this country free, what would they think about what's happening today? Now, I want to make something clear. I'm not all a doomsdayer. I actually think there were some things that they had very wrong that we've got right. I think there's an intimacy with God that we've learned over the years that God has taught us and brought us into that has been incredibly important. That I, I, you know, I suppose if, if one of them were there to say I knew God well, but I don't know. There's just a sense that I have of a oneness with God, not a oneness with God, but just an intimacy. But, but I do want to say I think that I think we can all agree that people would look at the kinds of things that happen now, our TV and our movies and our culture and the way that people talk and everybody. And it's not just non-Christians, it's everybody. I think the, the, the pilgrims fleeing religious persecution. Remember what they were doing? They were fleeing. Why? Because they cared about God. <laughs> and, and the Church of England was just trying to make it sort of a state religion type thing. And they really wanted to be about Jesus. So this country was started by people that were fleeing persecution because they were having to do things by the state and religion, and they wanted to just be about Jesus. Now think about what those people would think if they saw even how Christians live. Okay, and I'm not trying to condemn everybody. I'm, not I'm just saying, remember, the reason why judgment starts in the house of God is because we're just as soiled as, as the world is, relatively less so, but we're all in a downward slope right? And so there's this thing that's going on. And when, so when God allows it to drop, and then drop, and then drop, and drop to the point that we are today, the thing that I think we're supposed to do is the same thing we did yesterday. Remember whence you came, right? Remember from where you came. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to remember the founding fathers, the sacrifice that was made, the battle that was had for the freedoms that were won. We're supposed to remember and reset when we have that kind of a celebration, right? So as the culture does this, it's a good time for us to remember and reset. What is God about? What does he want us to do? How does he want us to do it? What is this whole thing about? And if I had to say, if we were trying to get back to the very, very basis of Christianity. What would you say is it? Like if there was a scripture that came to your mind, what's the most fundamental thing that we're supposed to do and be as Christians? What is it? Anybody want to take a shot at it? See, I love this family. You guys are awesome. Look at this. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him because he was answering all these questions great. He says, teacher, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. He talks about then loving your neighbors too that flows out of it. But you see, what I want you to see is everything that ever happens is supposed to be flowing out of love of God. As we love God, as he loves us, everything else ought to flow out of that, right? And Jesus said this kind of thing over and over in many different ways when he said, for example, things like this. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. Right? If you love me, you do what I say. You, you, it, let, let, me, let me boil it down even more. Okay? As a Christian, what are you supposed to do? We talked about it last week. Follow me. <laughs> Follow him. That's, I mean, the definition of the word Christian is Christ follower. Somebody who follows Jesus, right? 
Not who follows their own way. Not who follows the way they think it ought to be. Not who follows anything else. Somebody who follows Jesus. That's it. Now I have to say, uh, 17 years ago, last weekend, Julie and I came here. And for those of you who are here, thank you for sticking around. Thank you. And I want to say, for 17 years, if you really were to take every single one of my sermons and boil it down, what would it boil down to? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Trust him so much, love him so much that you just follow him and not all the other stuff that the world's crying out for, that your flesh is crying out for, that all the, just love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and follow him, right? I mean, that's every single sermon that I've preached. I think you could boil it right down to that, trying to show us yet one more way in which God is to be loved, is to be odd, is to, be, is to fall so massively in love with him that you can't even think of anything but just following him. Not out of obligation, out of love, right? My first sermon, in fact, was Job. And the reason why it was Job, I think a lot of people think of Job, but they think about suffering and all that kind of stuff. That's not what I see in the book. What I see in the book is there's just a couple of principles that are key to Job, to understanding it. The first one is there's stuff going on that you don't understand, and you'll never understand. Satan gave God a challenge in heaven, which Job never found out about until presumably after he died. But there was something going on that was happening that was important that Job never, ever knew about. Never. So I want to tell you right now, as Christians, the one thing we really got to get clear in our heads from Job, the earliest book in the Bible ever written, right? This is the message that God wanted to be the foundational message of Christianity, of, of worshiping God. There's stuff going on that you don't get. <laughs> Period. And because of that, you cannot judge what's happening by you. Another way of saying it is you're not the center of the universe. God is. Everything flows out of him, not you and what's right for you. Right? There, are, there is in the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews people that get their heads chopped off and they're looking forward to why. <laughs> and they don't know why. They just know that there's something that God had them do and we know that the good God, all of that works the glory of God. Okay? So I just want to say this is the thing that I've been saying for 17 years. Sorry but it seems important. And it seems to me like, why move on until we get it? Can anybody here say that we've got it perfectly? So? So here's what I want to do, and here's what I felt like the Lord asked me to do. Okay, I really want you to know, I've really prayed about this a lot, and honestly, in what I'm about to do with you right now, this is me following him. That's all this is. Because when he first told me I want to do a discussion in the way that he wanted to do the discussion, I went, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I like that. <laughs> you know? And then I prayed about it, and I felt like he said, yeah, but do it anyway. And I was like, okay. But then I went and prayed again to make sure that it was okay. I was so uncertain about it that I went and asked the staff. And I said, do you feel like this might be God if I did this? And they said, yeah, it does feel like God. And then, even this morning, in a way that's very uncharacteristic for me, I actually went out again, and I prayed, and I said, you sure you really want to do this, Lord? 
Because here's what I want to do. For 17 years, I've been telling you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, which boils down to loving him so much that you follow him in truth and in reality. For 17 years, I've been telling you this. So today, I want you to tell me how you do it. I want to hear how you follow the Lord. I want to hear what's important for you. I, I just want you to understand, it's not a simple thing for Jesus because here he is over and over and over. Did you know he said, follow me that many times in the Gospels? Over and over and over did he say, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. Maybe he was trying to say to us to follow him. So the discussion we're going to have is, is, what does it mean? What does following him mean? You know, what kind of behavior is it? What kind of life is it? What kind of attitude is it? What kind of heart is it? Okay, I want you to think about what, when you do follow him, why do you follow him? Why do you trust him? On what basis do you do that? When you don't follow him, why don't you follow him? I've got some spectacular examples of not following God. What things have you learned that help you follow him? And, and I'm just saying, follow, help us. And, and I want to say, I want to leave us. We're going to pray and then we're going to start a discussion here. But I want to do something right now. Because even as I prayed this morning, there was one thing that the Lord kept telling me over and over and over again. And that was that when you have the discussion to ask the people who speak quickly to wait a beat and then another beat before you raise your hand. The people who know what they want to say right now and you're willing to say it, I'm asking you to create an awkward vacuum. Because I believe that there's people in here that, that, aren't, that, aren't, that don't want to speak. But that you have an insight for us that's going to take it from being, I believe it's going to be a very good discussion. But I'm not looking for a very good discussion. I'm looking for revelation from the Lord. This family, you may not know it, but you're not on milk anymore. I'm not saying everybody's there, but I'm saying that this is a meat-chewing family here. This is a family that's going after the things of God in very serious ways, and at ways that cost us, right? That cost us in our lives. And so I want you to talk about why you do that. I want us to get underneath the obvious. I want us to get to the place where God has revealed something to us today that we'll all walk out of here and say, wow, right? That makes a difference in my life. He spoke to me through somebody here who doesn't want to say something and through people that do, right? I'm not saying you other people can't talk because if, if we wait the whole time for somebody who doesn't want to talk, we could be, it could be a little more than awkward, okay? Do we get it? I, I hope, like I say, if I could have, Steve Weichman is here, and Steve Weichman is one of my favorite people in the universe. Uh, and that's because this guy is just so, we got a lot of people like him here. He just loves God, and he just lives life in a way that is just so radically different than the way that anybody else does. But one of the things that Steve Weichman does that's spectacular is barbecue. And, and I, I actually had, you can thank me right now for something. I was going to have us all sit in a big circle for this. And then I thought, oh, people, no, some people will be okay with that, but most people would just hate that. 
So can I just have you thank me right now for that? But, but, my, yeah, but my thought was, is that I thought, oh man, and I literally thought to myself, I didn't think Wegman's name, but as soon as he showed up, I went, that's who I was thinking. I was like, I wish we could just bring a couple of grills in. You know what I mean? And have the grills going while we were talking about God. So that it really became that kind of discussion. Okay? Do we get it? In family here, safe place, right? Relaxed, July 5th weekend. But we're going for revelation. And if we're going to get it, it's going to be because you stepped up. It's going to be because you were willing to let the Lord speak through you. Right? Right? So who's our prayer today? Oh, Rick Curtin. That, that, we simply could not have a per more perfect person praying for this sermon. This is awesome. Rick is so many things, but Rick loves God, and his life is oriented to doing whatever the Lord says, deeply so. And I know, I know you're saying to yourself, no, it's not. <laughs> Correct. But on a, but on a, on a very real way, on the, on the, creating on the curve like we do, you're way out there on the edge. So love you very much. Pray for the sermon. Pray that God really does speak through us today. Lord, I thank you for how you spoke to our hearts already in worship, and we worship you, and lay our hearts before you, and lay down our inhibitions and our fears uh, right now before you, and I thank you how you are going to speak to our hearts as we continue, and we look forward to what you have to say to us through each other and through your Holy Spirit speaking into our hearts. I pray for Hillcrest Chapel in Bellingham, Washington. Amen. And uh, Lord, may you just work powerfully in that service today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So, starter question. Anybody in here going to say 100% follow him? Anybody going to raise their hand on, I'm at 100%. Just like Jesus, everything he tells me to do, I do. I don't do anything else. That's all I do. Okay, do I hear 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, right? Okay, let's move it down. Do I hear 90, 90, 90, I can't do it very well. How about 80? Do I get to 80? Is there anybody that's got 80 in them? Okay, 70. Okay, let's just get real. Anybody at 20%? Okay, do we have a good 20%? We're, we're going to wait till we get the thing. Go ahead, bring him, bring him the thing. I just want to know, what do you do? What, what, what have you found works for you to follow God? What's it mean to you, and what do you do? Go for it. Hi, my name is Jeff. Um, just a brief testimony maybe will shed some light, um, at least thinking about it does for me. I was baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit on the same night um, quite a while ago, but how long ago doesn't really matter because it may as well have just been yesterday because um, it's a daily thing, our walk with God. Um, and since that time, I've been trying to follow Jesus, and it's been very frustrating for me. Lately, I've realized that um, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, when I was baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit and received the fullness of that, uh, what God really said to me was, go your way and sin no more. And so now I choose rather than to try to follow, maybe just trust God and allow myself to go with the flow of the Spirit 
and go my way and sin no more. But I have to use Jesus as an example. I have to follow his example. But when he, when he was crucified and resurrected and the apostles were waiting for him, he sent the Holy Spirit. And then they went their way and they sinned no more. Amen. Amen. Who else? Let's, let's go right here, okay? And then we'll go back to Kate. Come forward to John here. Hi, my name's John. There's a part of my nature that by its feelings and actions says no. I have to learn at the moment, and I'm trying to learn how to tell that side of me that that request is rejected <laughs> and do so yes. and learn from it until, with his help, it becomes the new normal. Amen. Amen, John. There is that moment. There is that part of it which has to do with how do we, how do we keep the tension between the discipline of just saying no, fleeing from the devil, right, doing that, and at the same time not becoming condemned when we fall. How do we do that? How do we keep that tension in there? Go ahead, Kate. Okay, I'm going to tell a story because I think this will help you to know why I followed Jesus. Um, many of you don't know that I have worked in the mental health field for almost 20 years. Um, God called me to work in a psychiatric hospital with demonized, uh, psychotic, suicidal, homicidal people. Um, it's actually been my life career. So... Um, I want you to know that um, my, one of my first experiences of following God was really in the early 90s, and I had a, a client who was a teenager who was psychotic, and he was so bad that this is not the way psych hospitals are now, but they had him chained to his waist, and they had chains on his feet because every time he would go into delusion, he'd try to kill himself and kill everyone else. And he was hallucinating blood on the walls and demons. Now, at the time, most of my colleagues were not believers, but I was a Christian. And this young man had been in the hospital for six weeks, and they had tried every single medicine in the universe to try and get his psychotic delusions away. And um, a colleague came up to me and whispered to me, she said, I know you're a Christian. Maybe you should go do one of those Christian things. <laughs> Seriously. She said, but I don't tell anyone, you know, because she wasn't a believer. So I went to church with a couple of friends, and we sat, and we bound Satan for this young man because every time he went crazy, he was crazy. I mean, it was just crazy. So we bound Satan. And we said, no more. We said, the blood of Jesus is over this young man. And within two days, his psychosis went away. Wow. Completely went away. Wow. And all the doctors said there, we don't know what happened to him. Because the medicines were not making him clear. He became clear-headed. He no longer needed to be changed. And he was no longer seeing delusions. That's awesome. And I want you guys to know that God is powerful. And the, those around you who know, who don't know God, but know that you follow God, 
know that you should do something. Yeah. And you can do something. And that's why I follow him. Thank you. Because I know his light is shining and his blood is more powerful than anything Thank you, Kate. that the enemy will throw at us. Amen. So that's why I follow him. And I don't have a problem following him. The reason why is because of the environment God asked me to work in. And I have seen over and over and over people who, young little kids who are demonized when I have, and I've had friends pray. And I they've just, stopped. I just want you they've to. They've stopped acting out and trying to burn their mother's clothes up yeah. or try to kill their mothers. You know, this whole thing about spiritual and demons and all that kind of stuff, that is very out, right? Even in Christian circles. There's just a lot of skepticism about there being any reality to any of that. I do think that as things continue to shift downward, that that kind of thing will become more clear, uh, that it really is still in our world, that there really is something to it. Interestingly enough, we're in Luke, and the next section that we're going to has to do with this. And I've been kind of waiting for the Lord to give me the okay to start jumping into that in a way that will minister and make a difference in this setting. And I, I think that might have been a bit of a word to help us start to embrace those kinds of things. Um, all right. Kurt. Yeah, okay, right here. Okay, Hannah. Good morning. I'm Hannah. So two quick things. One, um, in the interest of being completely vulnerable and maybe encouraging some of you that might need a little courage in stepping up, um, the first way or reason that I started deeply following God, not just following God, but deeply, was when I had a complete and total breakdown, when I was not capable of doing anything other than basically laying on my bed, holding on, <laughs> kind of what seemed like for dear life. And the only thing that I had to turn to was God and Jesus when Amen. he really connected with me. And Amen. he's the, he, he basically saved me um, from myself at that point. And I quickly learned because I had to just hold on to that and everything I did for a couple of months to get through that period that if I truly tuned in and I truly listened in every instance in every moment and sometimes minute by minute it got me through and every time it was better than I could have done on my own yeah. so I actually quickly learned listen and it's going to be easier and better right yeah. it doesn't mean my whole life has been like that there's been times where it's like really tough for a long time and then i see looking back why it happened and thank you god that it happened like that but the second thing then is one of my realizations from that because i have um, a son who is almost seven is that being a parent you know I, I truly believe in god and i believe in eternity i don't think it's oh this is part one and then oh yeah part two in heaven now i can be fully engaged with God, right? That it's all part of one eternity. And I want my son with me for all eternity, period. That's not a negotiable in my life, period, right? And so how I do that is I want to, you know, there's research and studies that show the most influential adult in a child's life is their parent. So I want to live that so he sees it. I want to teach it every day so he knows it. Amen. I want him to grow up so he doesn't have to be like me when God's kind of always like, I'm like, I got this. And then when I need God, I pull him in, right? Until I get to the point that I did. I want him to not know any different than always asking God, what do you want me to do? What are you telling me? 
guide me, help me do this. It's just natural part of his life. And so that's like one of the biggest gifts I can give him yeah. is, is to teach him to do that in what I teach him and what I show him. And it's helped me grow incredibly in my yeah. relationship with God and just, if I'm going to tell him to do it, I better do it, right? And that's just been a huge thing for I me. Get, I get two things out of what you just said, and one of them is AA, you know, you talk about getting to rock bottom. And until you get to rock bottom, you don't really know. You really have facades, and you just don't know that they're facades. They seem real. But you got to get to where you realize that they really are facades. They can't handle the weight. you got to get to rock bottom. I think that's, that's a biblical principle made up, right, right? AA is from Christians. And that's exactly what you're talking about. I think there's a lot of people that have lost it, right? Just truly just lost it. And that's when they found out, oh, that's who God is. <laughs> oh, now that I'm down here... And all the things that I was using to construct and to make things work out the way that I kind of liked it. Now that I'm here, look. See what I mean? I found him. And the second thing that I get out of what you said is really simple. When you minister, it just makes such an enormous difference to you. <laughs> Thank God it makes a difference to somebody else, by the way, by God's grace through you. Right? But nonetheless, when you take the time to actually try and lead somebody else into this, you learn way more than they do. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't even begin to tell you the number of times I've been talking to somebody, and I want to write down what God just said because I'm going like, that would be helpful for me. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Now, now, we're at this place to where we need the people that aren't likely to speak, but Reichman just raised his hand, so I'm listening to you. So, oh, sure, and then we'll go to Reichman. So he's at the very back, Hayden. Okay. Let, let me get, let, yeah, and then we'll come forward to Anne, but go ahead, Eric. Is that on? Now it's green. Hey, when we talk about following, I think the natural tendency is to focus on all the ways we mess it up. We don't follow him in this way, and we don't follow him that way, and I made a mistake and didn't listen to him when he told me to do this thing, and I'm a terrible Christian. And in my life, as I've gotten older, I actually have found a lot of comfort in looking at the ways in which I have successfully followed Amen. him. And I've, I guess, come to some relief to realize that God doesn't ask all of us to do everything all the time. He does give different gifts to different people. And my responsibility is not to be this amazing super Christian that I evangelize all the time and I study all the time and I pray all the time, but that God is going to give me specific instruction and direction for a particular time, and my job is just to do that one thing. And if I can manage to do that one thing, then I have progressed farther in my relationship with him. And I can celebrate that. Amen. And I don't have to look at all those other things that I'm not doing yet and get all stressed out. I can just say, hey, look, God is working in me. I am becoming a new creature. I am closer to him today than I was yesterday. So what you're saying is if you quit trying to get it all perfectly right, then you actually got a chance of getting it righter. <laughs> That's awesome. Steve? 
Thank you, Pastor. Uh, my name's Steve. I'm <clears throat> an old friend of your pastor's. Uh, I'm a friend of Leslie's here. We went to college together at Western six right. or seven years ago. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and I heard Hillcrest Chapel mentioned. I don't know why, but uh, I, I went to Hillcrest Chapel when I was a student at Western, and uh, awesome. I remember that place fondly. Uh, <clears throat> I'm in, professionally, I am saturated in discord and strife and, and uh, hate and anger and human dysfunction. And, and I have a lot of enemies uh, because it comes with uh, the job, I think. And I was, was sitting here thinking of all of the men I know, I've had more trouble from Steve Weichman than any of them. <laughs> That's just the truth. It is. And I think that uh, if we're all honest with ourselves, we would probably say the same thing uh, when we're honest with ourselves. I'm not always honest with myself, but the, the point that I guess I want to make is that uh, even our faith is a gift from God. We can't even take credit for our faith. And <clears throat> so following him means picking up your cross each day because you're going to be in a fight with the person who gives you more trouble than any other human being on the planet, which is yourself. Yeah. You're in that fight as long as you're sucking oxygen on this planet. This is the struggle that we are brought into, and we're aware of it because of the cross, Amen. and we run back to that, and we run back to it all the time, and it's the faith. We can't even take credit for us following God. We just have to pray, Lord Jesus, help me follow you today, because I know this. Weichmann doesn't want to, Amen. and uh, so uh, I think, you know, in terms of, of what does it mean to follow Jesus, it means uh, to be aware of the fact that you need him Amen. to make you follow him because you can't do it. You can't do it for five Amen. seconds. Uh, and I, something else, your brother and I were sitting on top of a mountain in Wyoming. And, Dave. Uh, I think a lot of people here know Dave yeah. and what a, what a special guy he is and how much we miss not having him here. And uh, this was back about 23 years ago when Dave told me, sitting on the top of Buck Peak in the Tetons, uh, that he was going to go to Russia <clears throat> and work the missions field. And uh, I couldn't get my arms around that because he uh, had everything where he was. He was in the ministry. He was very involved. He was uh, blessing a lot of lives, including mine. Uh, he was in a place that he thought was uh, heaven on earth, like, like I do, did and do. Wake up every morning being glad to be where I am. And I just couldn't imagine how that wasn't relevant enough for him. Yeah. Uh, he was a light for the rest of us. And his answer was, because if you want to be closer to Jesus, you have to go where you will find him, where he is. 
And he's not in all those happy, beautiful places. If you want to be closer to Jesus, if you really want to be serving him, you gotta, you got to die to yourself. You have to put away all of the trappings of this life that we, that we count up as our successes. Yeah. Be willing to walk away from it and go to a place that you don't want to be. Yeah. And that's where you will be closer to God. So those are the two thoughts. Thank David you. Brunk uh, <clears throat> has me thinking about that all the time. And, and uh, Amen. I hope Thanks, to follow Steve. his example at some point. Yeah. In the meantime, I just thank God that he gave me the faith. And I thank God for what he Amen. is doing in my life. And I've quit even trying. Amen. Because I don't know anybody that is as big a failure as I am. There's a bit of a theme, isn't there, of this idea that we can't get there. And that that's the first thing you got to get a hold of. <laughs> that you can't. And then you can start letting him. I must decrease. That means I need to quit thinking I'm the guy. I'm, I can do this. I got this. You really need to get it. You really need to press that down so that he can do what he wants through you. That's when the extraordinary comes. Okay, where are we? Okay, go ahead. Good morning. Um, I understand I've been through some challenges. Uh, the funding on trying to find a place to live ended because of an audit. Uh, Voc Rehab, my application on that got ended, and then my car broke down last night. But um, I've been doing God's will for quite a while, and I was grateful that I got baptized last Sunday. Yes. So I can do more. <laughs> Um, I parked my car because I have to sit in my car most of the day because of where I live. You can't get in during the daytime. So I parked my car at the Alano Club, and this month, that's where the AA meetings are, and I do service work there. And uh, this month I'll be celebrating 31 years of sobriety. And then, uh, then I uh, parked my car here. And I do service work here when needed yeah, because sure you guys have a nice shady tree right over here. <laughs> and then um, I also, at the Sophia Way, where I stay at the women's shelter, um, I take a lot of the women to the transit center, and I've taken them to AA meetings. And I was lucky enough this morning to get a ride from Julie because I've been trying to get the women to come to this church, and they keep saying, yes, yes, they will. But I had somebody help me in the ministry this morning to get some of the women here. So I'm much. grateful for the help. And, and I just keep showing up. I always say a prayer. Um, I offer myself to thee to do with me and be with me as thy will. Relieve me of the bondage of self so I may better serve you. Amen. Now there's somebody who, like I say, is in this category of you, you don't speak very often. So uh, we'll come back to you, Larry. Well, let's go to here, and then we'll work our way. Okay, let's go here, and then we'll go there, and then we'll work our way back that way. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, here's, here's where we were. Um, hello. <laughs> I'm Caleb. I'm the son of Tamara and Eric. So my mom and I have been listening to a lot of uh, Timothy Keller recently. Um, 
a great thing to do. And recently we were listening to the concept of being, um, as humans, we are both, uh, let's see how to phrase it, we were both condemned by God and loved by God. That's not, I'm not sure how to <laughs> phrase it. Justified by grace. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and uh, in our human nature, we are both sinful and uh, forgiven by God. And that is a paradox <laughs> that I've been trying to figure out for a very, <laughs> very, very long time. Um, because as followers of Christ, we are supposed to forgive those that we despise and we hate. Um, but we must remember as God, forgave those who persecuted him, who crucified him. Amen. It's, Amen, it's great. I, it's, it, what an irony that that the sin, the consciousness of sin, the, the degree to which we can own ourselves as sinners is the degree to which we, if you really get a hold of that in fullness, then you do end up having to cast it back on him, right? When you're only conscious to a degree of what your sin is, then you end up still trying to fix it yourself. You end up still trying to do. You end up still trying to please. You end up still trying to do a whole bunch of things which are not going to work. You got to hit that rock bottom. You got to get to that place to where you really own the depravity of your own soul, the depravity, as we've heard so many say. When you own that, the irony is, is that's when you get set free. <laughs> because then it's not on you anymore. It doesn't mean you don't have a participation with him, but then he can start doing what he wants to do in you. Did you want to say more, Kelly? Um, no, that. Okay, yeah. thank you. Uh, go ahead. Okay. Well, I'm Ann. Um, I don't speak well, so I'll try and do it quickly. Um, oh, it says, uh, what does follow him really mean? Uh, so I wrote down to think daily of him, seek him in all things, uh, see people as God sees them, uh, see life's lessons in everyday things. Um, one of the things was like yesterday, um, I think I have a, a conscious of God in a lot of stuff. And so yesterday I was with my cousin. We were at this old place, and there was this old tree stump that was totally decayed and, and rotting in the whole nine yards. But out of this tree stump was this totally new plant that was growing and flowering in the whole nine yards. And I thought... You know, that's kind of how God is with our lives. And, and, you know, the old stump was still there, but there was still this thing that was growing that was totally new. It wasn't even, Amen. you know, and so that was it. Um, and then it says, why you don't follow him, when you don't follow him, why? And I just wrote down, because I'm like a two-year-old uh, throwing a temper tantrum. I want everything my way. I want it right now. Um and then what things have you learned to help you follow him? So being in church, reading the word, small group, prayer. So. 
how do we, I love that, Ann. I, I, I need to just tell you a quick story with me because as I was just thinking about these questions myself and what would I say, quick story with me. I have a thing that the Lord has showed me about, you know, we've been working on what church really is supposed to be as opposed to what it is. And just recently, because of something that this church let me go on where I visited churches around the country, and, and I got to one, the other ones were just sort of more the same, and I really did not bear witness to them, and I was kind of frustrated with the whole experience and wondering why God had told me to do it, because I was like, I really felt like God told me to do it. And finally, I got to one last one, which happened to be fairly close by, and I heard this person talking, and this person was talking about church in the way that, in the way that I do, but then on steroids, it, meaning that the, the problem is the pattern. We're, we're perfectly designed to get the results we're getting, and that is a massive decrease in discipleship, okay, because of the passivity of what the American church has become, and the idea that it's Sunday morning and all that kind of stuff. And, and this fellow was talking about, what if instead of the church being the organizing principle for church, which is what it is. The organization is the organizing principle. We need people to set up chairs. We need people to give money. We need people to do ministry. We need people to write. But the, but the organizing principle, what's happened here? Why did my voice change so much all of a sudden? Could you just turn me down? Somehow I'm getting a ring. It's like it started coming through maybe one of the speakers up here or something. It's steroids. So, so, but now here's what happened. Now, think about, think about me. I mean, how many things have I done in this church that have actually cost us as a church? I mean, people went, I just don't want to do that. And Kurt's telling us, and I don't, you know, and, and I mean, so there's, you know, but I still, as I've said before to you, I just don't want to sit before the Lord and say I wasn't willing to do something because I was scared or because I didn't want to. I just, you know, one day I'm going to stand before him and I just want to say whatever you told me to do with, you know, pretty much I did. I figured out a way to get my mind wrapped around it, my heart wrapped around it, in a way that I did it. Now, I want to tell you, this guy was talking about church, which is absolutely no different than what I've been saying for years, but he took it to what it actually means. He took it to a place to where he said the organizing principle is not the church, it's the people, the one person that you're ministering to. That ministry ought to be totally organized around the people that we as individuals are ministering to. Everything ought to be organized out of that. That's, we're supposed to be oriented to helping them. So that ought to be the organizing principle. Now that doesn't, maybe doesn't mean as much to you if you heard it, but can I, can I tell you something? And I'm confessing this as your pastor, as your friend, as the person that's in this family with you. I think that's exactly where the Lord is taking the church. I don't mean just like Sam. I think he's taking us to a very radically different place than what church has been because we've seen the fruit of it. And the fruit has not been good, right? It's been easy. And that's not good. But I'm 59 years old. And I'm tired. And I'm worn out. And can I confess to you, I don't want to do it. Honest to goodness, I don't want to do it. Now, anytime I say I don't want to do something, that's a challenge for me. And I still have enough testosterone left in me to where I'm like, that means I'm going to do it. Okay? <laughs> But can I just tell you that, honest to goodness, when I look in my heart, there's a part of me that just goes, that's asking more of me than I want to give you. Now, that's not true. When I say it that way, of course I want to give you everything. But does that mean you're going to 
make me do something when I don't want to do it? Yeah. But what if he made me want to do it? So do you get what I'm saying? I'm going after this. How do, I, how do we follow him? And I don't think where you are, I don't know what percentage I am of following him. I think if God graded me, I'd be appalled. You know? But, I, you know, I tend to think that to a pretty large degree, I do. You know what I mean? I, I, I listen. I get up in the morning, I think about it. I still have my sticker on my door that says, pray, and I stop, and I pray, and I ask God how he wants to use me when I'm walking out the door. And, I'm, and everything I'm doing, my whole life is oriented to this. And I want to tell you that there's things that God is asking of me that I don't even disagree with, and I don't want to do. What the heck? That's just ridiculous. How do we get beyond ourselves? Genuinely. When God shows you how much you're still there, how do we get there? Now, I want to say I can't. And that's what I've done with him, as I said. Here's what I know. A, I'm going to go where you would tell me to go. I am going to do that. Why? Because you're going to get me there. And what I'm going to work on as hard as I can is how to get out of the way, how to stop resisting, how to, how to change my life and my desires and everything else in a way that gets me to there so that I want what you want, right? But this is, a, this is it. This is a lifelong struggle. Uh, who'd you have? Oh, Becca, this is great. Um, my name is Becca, and I've grown up in this church from couple years before you came and I follow him because I've grown up I've known him as real and um, Justine who's probably watching hi um, was the youth pastor when I came through and she taught me a powerful thing is when God does something place standing stones so you can look back and remember he's real he did something it's good and I have grown up doing that and um, I I meet God in worship um, which is why I love being a part of the worship team and knowing him and growing up knowing him, I've come to a season where it's kind of like what you're saying with Job, when you're like, I don't get, I don't see you, I don't hear you, I don't get what's going on, but I know you. And I've seen, I have my standing stones, and I know you're real, so I'm not walking away, but I just don't understand. And God's just done a really powerful thing, and the last couple weeks been getting words from so many different places that I would never would have expected, like even, you know, through my work, which is, you know, not a franchise I work with isn't Christian, but just powerful words on being thankful, and that seems like a, just something like, well, yeah, I'll be thankful, and I've got a lot to be thankful for, but then it came into a word, um, I was listening to a podcast on Bill, from Bill Johnson down in uh, Bethel about worship, and when you worship him, it's not about if you feel like worshiping him, if he's, if you're, if you're in a good season, a hard season, and just that bringing that thankfulness and that praise, it's like where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom and there's peace that passes understanding. So when things should not be peaceful and you have his peace because you choose to worship him every day, that's just transforming my life. And it feels like something I keep, it's, there's new layers throughout my walk. And I'm like, I know this, I've experienced this before, but just the power of that. And that's why I want to follow him because there is not a lot of peace in this world, 
And when he brings that and you're sitting peaceful in a place that is not peaceful, that speaks to who God is and how Amen. he's real. Amen. And let me just do something really quickly. Uh, having watched you grow up, you have resisted the culture. You have synced yourself up with the Lord. It has cost you. And you have done it nonetheless in a way that a lot of people have compromised at this point in time. And I just want to tell you that you are an excellent handmaiden bride of the Lord. Love you. Amen. Go ahead, Jen. I want to do something. We're going we're gonna to be wrapping up in about five to seven minutes. I just want to say something. Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, as we have definitely gotten to beautiful places, and there is something of making this journey real, and it's not going to be one revelation that is the be-all, end-all, and that's it. But would you just take these last few minutes, and as you have been doing already, would you just anoint them? Would you let your Holy Spirit just drip from them in ways that, in, that infected us, that, that, that impregnated us with the things of you, that when we walk out of here, God, we should be um, growing something inside of us that was a new degree of following you. Would you please? Thank you, Lord. Okay, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Mike. You know, I find it's pretty easy to follow him when I'm in trouble. And that's because I'm talking to him a lot. So when I have a lot of communication, it seems like it's easier for me to do the right thing. And then when things are going swell, I don't talk with God as much. It's crazy. The, and then I find myself going, well, yeah, things are all right. I, I'm, I'm doing good today. Well, I'm not always thankful for that. The weird thing is I've had this, this switch flip lately. You know, my fears have been in the past let me get better in better contact before I'm in trouble. And that didn't mean that it happened right away, but I find myself recently in no stress, in no fear, in, in easily making better contact with God than I have in a long time. And it's really nice. So I find myself today, for some weird reason, following him in times of joy and good times instead of times of need and desperation. So it's, it's really a nice, nice change for me. Amen. Amen. It's awesome. Oh, we've got, yeah. Okay, go ahead. So I was going to say, first, I don't know that I could say I'm at my best time of following God in my life. Like, I think I'm, it's a little bit of a struggle right now. And... In some ways, I have a question to turn back to all of you. Adam and I were talking the other day. I grew up in the church and really in a time when we felt God's presence regularly in the church. And yeah. I knew what it was to walk in God's favor and have God's favor on my life. And I feel like more recently as the culture has changed, that that has changed a bit to where it doesn't feel like I can go and walk in this great favor where I have the whole culture go with me, yeah. but it, it becomes more of a fight. Yeah. And that there's been a big transition in that I'm still learning how to walk in this new season that's different. 
Yeah. And I'm just wondering, I guess, as a question, is that something other people are experiencing too? Yeah. I think the answer is, is by all the people's testimonies of the difficulties that have come upon them, as we've been talking about, and the shaking that's going on in the church very much. And I actually think I would just refer you right back to Mike and what he said too. And I know that you get that. You know, I just think that there's an extraordinary thing of um, when the worst that has come upon you has come upon you and you actually found the Lord, you get to where you don't fear. You just trust. And then you're thanking him all the time. And you're walking in him. But go ahead. Uh, just real quick, knowing I'm, just everyone knows I see I've got about a line of five people, which we're probably not going to be able to get to all of them. Can we maybe post this question on our Facebook page? On Lake Sam's and on yours, and we'll get Please that do. way we can continue that dialogue. Please do. Okay, so we'll like get that, that up on much. Monday. Like Just because I have a list, and I'm probably not going to be able to get to everybody. Where are we? Okay, go ahead. You got to stand up. Hi. Um, I'm Christine. This is my first time talking, so hi. Um, so, a couple months ago, um, sorry first time talking about this in front of a huge crowd of people, I had to get an urgent surgery um, on my abdomen, and um, the surgery was fine. It was really successful, but then afterwards, I had kind of like an infection, so I ended up staying in the hospital for like 10 days, and it wasn't, it wasn't like healing. I was, it was bad. Anyway, um, I think I've forgotten in those 10 days, like where I lived, what my home looked like, and what you know, church was like and how everything looked outside because um, in that room, I was in that room for 10 days and um, outside was just a building. You don't really see anything. Um, but then I, after I started getting better and I was still in the hospital and I could start walking, I would sit outside and there's this huge building but between there is like, is like this small garden with grass and the leaves are blowing. It was really pretty. And um, I would just admire nature outside and then um, when I was finally discharged, I, like, we were driving home, and I knew the streets. I knew where we were going. I've, we've always gone there, but for the first time, I was noticing the small things, like, oh, there's Mount Rainier over there, and the sun is shining, and the lake looks really pretty. And I think um, so, um, uh, I've forgotten how to do that, how to appreciate all of the little things that God has done in my life. Um, and obviously I don't want to be stuck in a hospital and then come out of the hospital to remember that, but I think I need to find, um, so have like a small reminder to know that there's, yeah. um, how amazing he is because <laughs> he's yeah. really cool. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think, again, I'm looking for themes, and the first theme had a lot to do with recognizing your depravity. But when Eric talked, it seemed like it started shifting. And now from things that people have said, if I had to sort of sum up those answers, it would go along the line of be thankful. Uh, I was listening to you, and I, you know Paul Weston is sitting fairly close to you, and you probably don't know him. But if you've ever known Paul, you know one thing about him, and that's he's going to tell you, be thankful in everything. And we're talking about how do you follow him. And if you do it out of obligation, if you do it out of works, if you do it out of responsibility, if you do it out of even faithfulness, the fact is it's not love. It's some other obligation. It's a works kind of a thing. 
and it doesn't bear the fruit that you intend it to bear. And then you quit doing that because it doesn't bear the fruit you intended it to bear. But the irony again, and it is ironic if you get the word, the irony is, is that when you start thanking him, even in the middle of very difficult things, when you start really finding a way to thank him in the middle of everything, all the time, just like the word came during the worship, when you learn how to become thankful in everything, all the time, I will choose you. You are the good one. You're the one. I will choose you. When we learn how to have that kind of thankfulness in our hearts, all of it just wells up, doesn't it? The ability to follow through the roof comparatively, right? When you're doing it from yourself, good luck. When you start loving him, letting his love invade you, it raises you up in a way that it just becomes an incredibly natural response. You follow him because where else am I going to go? They don't want to go anywhere else. We're going to take, do we take one more or are we done? Okay, let's do one more. Hi, my name is Shauna. Um, for me, following him means following him. In my mind, I want to have a path, and my path looks like this. But God has a path that is completely perpendicular to my path. Yeah. And it's like, but that path is scary. And it's hard, and I have to give up everything that's me to walk that path. And yet God has said, there is truth, and there is life, and there is joy, and I know that it is completely opposite from the direction you want to go. And we have fought a lot. Um, a lot of you know we've lived with the Lee family for the past three years. We went into it for a year, and at the end of the year, God... We looked at each other, and God said, you're not done yet. I'm like, really? I'm not, I'm not done yet? <laughs> and God said, yeah, we're not done yet. And at the end of the year, too, uh, okay, we get to move out now, right, God? No, we're not done yet. And I looked at him, we're not done yet? And we're not done yet. And it's because God said, There's, I have a path that is different, and it is following him on his path, not me dragging him down my path yeah. that I want to go, but it's completely surrendering and giving up my path Amen. and following him because he is God and he knows the path that Amen. I need to go down to learn the lessons that I need to learn. Amen. And so it's following him. Amen. That's, I think we're going to end on that one because it's so good. Okay, let's do Larry. And then, and, then I, and then I am going to quit, okay? It's just time. Go ahead. Hi, my name's Larry. I'm the president of the Not Speak Club. Yes, you are. <laughs> but I'm getting back to when you started out, uh, you were referencing John, um, do what I say. Yeah. Then in Matthew, follow me. And Job, he didn't know what was going on. It was in all those scriptures that you're talking about, what came to me and what's come to me lately is, in my reading, is being obedient. Job, Job was obedient Amen. even though he didn't have a clue what was going on. Amen. And so I was likening to what you have up there now is following him. What does that mean to you, all of you? And does it mean obedience? Yeah. And when did that obedience start? 
And how do you continue to be obedient? So, have I been obedient? Not always. It hasn't been easy. So, in the scripture, it says, help us in my unbelief. I've also, I'm asking the Lord, help me in my not being obedient. Amen. So, in summing up, I guess, you know, for all of you, I would say, you have all been obedient today because you showed up. And... For me, that's in the last few days, last few weeks, is how am I being obedient to what Amen. God wants me to do and all that I say and when I say it and who do I say it to? I just hear the Lord so much in, in so much of what's been said, but in these last two, who just really at that moment have reached down and take your cups. And, and here's what I want to say. Uh, bottom cup, remember, is body, and upper cup is, you know, blood. But um, but I want to say something, and I, I just want to thank the Lord for it. I want to call attention to it. If we had to sum up that thread that had to do with recognizing who you really are, what you really are, if we had to then sum it up in the context of being thankful to who he is, can I say I think that the thing that it, what it feels like to me is, is I'm still holding on to a lot of desires, things I want in my life. I'm still holding on to them. And I'm asking the Lord to take them from my hand. I still have a grip on them. And I'm not, I don't know how to let them go. Because I can say I've let them go, and they're back tomorrow when I wake up. And I want him to take from me. And I have to say, if this thing that we've been saying for months about God shaking and starting in the house of God, is there anything that's more fundamental than teaching us how to let go of the things that are stopping us from letting him do what he wants to do in and through us? Right? I mean, we're the ones, we're our worst enemy, as was said. We're the ones who are still holding on to something. So when we take communion today, can we take it with this in mind? Lord, would you show me, and not just show me, but would you take it out of my hands? These desires that I have, would you cause me to see the things about them that are not going to lead me to good places? despite the fact that I want them, to show me that and just to rejigger my desire to put it where you are and not where I am, right? Would you teach us how to let go, let God? Would you teach us how to, would you get rid of that? Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, we just come before your throne and in this cup in which is your body broken for us, it's broken lives. And what we've learned here today is, is so beautifully and so magnificently you've showed us that we're the ones that broke it. You, you made a perfect world, but we broke it. And so in Jesus' holy and precious name, God, recognizing that we broke it, we put our finger in there and we, we just crack that. 
And then we say, thank you, Jesus, that you're the one who on that cross took my brokenness and healed me through the death, burial, and resurrection and newness. You healed us and made us whole, gave us a new nature, gave us a new heart, gave us a new desirer. And so in Jesus' name, Lord God, would you just, we just lift this cup in which is the healing that you bring and we say we embrace that healing. We acknowledge that healing. We acknowledge what you did to heal us and we acknowledge that you have healed us and made us whole. So take this cup together, would you? And now, Lord, in a moment that is, I think, super important for this church, for this family, for what you're doing in the wider church in America, but this congregation comes before you right now and we say, not our will, but yours be done. Wherever we are impeding you, kill it, no matter what it takes. Wherever we are participating with you, anoint, encourage, and strengthen. We know that in the blood that Jesus shed is all of the life that you have for us, the new life. You've given us the new. That's the truth of our lives, whether we're living it in our desires or our hearts and our minds or not. And so in an important moment in this church, having talked about it, having discussed it, having owned our sin, having owned our selfishness, having owned our own way, we come before you and we say, God, and I, I mean this, just for, I think I'm supposed to say it this way, but I want to say, God, it's on you. We know that we have choices to make and we're asking you to help us make them, but in the end, God, our salvation does not depend upon us. It depends upon you. It depends upon the grace, the mercy that you showed to us. And so we are coming before you and we are saying, God, that we cast our care on you who cares for us. And our care is, is that we would, as a body, as a family, that we would choose you, your way, your way alone. That we would walk away from all of the old and all that was holding us back, all of the Egypt. And that you would bring us into promise what you have and you alone. And so in Jesus' name, in an important way in this body's life right now, this congregation says with one heart and one mind, and if you do not have this heart and mind, love you, don't take today. And just go to God and work it out until he gets you here. But for those of us who can say, I don't care what it takes, take me to where I follow you. That's what I want in my life. That's my choice. My inabilities, I give to you. The ability I know is from you. So in Jesus' holy and precious name, God, you take us to where you want us to be as only you can. So we embrace and take this cup in which is the life that you have for us in deep contrast to the life, even as Christians, that we still want to lead. And we say in Jesus' holy and precious name, God, 
in an important moment in this body's life, your will, not ours, be done. Your will, not ours, be done. Say that with me. Your will, not ours, be done. So we take this cup knowing that you're the one who can do this, the only one that can do this. We're saying teach us how to participate in whatever way you want, but God, get us there by your strong right arm. In Jesus' name, let us enter into your life. In Jesus' name, take together. In worship, the Lord brought a choice. A word about choice. Choose this day whom you will worship. Choose this day. Though you slay me, I will worship you. Choose this day. We've chosen this day. We've had a discussion. We've talked about it. We've owned it. We haven't just listened to a pastor talk. As a body, as a family, we've owned this decision in this moment. And so we say, come Lord Jesus and do your work.